0: It's that time again, another segment of The Grassy
1: Knoll on Dade City Micro Radio, AM 1610 WDCX. And we have with us today Jeff Wells. This is Viz. Uh, Harry's not with us today. Um, the, Jeff Wells may not be a, a name as well-known to a lot of our listeners as some other guests are, but um, one of our guests was intent on, um, on uh, my interviewing Jeff, and I also be, I, I get articles through uh, this individual uh, uh, from Jeff's website. So we're talking about a website now, uh, rigorousintuition.blogspot.com. So if you're listening while uh, you're on the net, that's rig- rigorousintuition.blogspot.com. And um, uh, Jeff self-describes himself as a cautiously pessimistic Canadian author and satirist. We're going to find out more about that in a minute. Uh, his first novel... Anxious Gravity, out there, published by Dundurn Press. And uh, what are the outlets for that? Are you on uh,
0: Borders or any of those? Yeah, I am. And uh, Amazon has it, and uh, Barnes & Noble and, and those kind of outlets.
1: I'm just going to ask you this. Is it, is it really fiction?
0: <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, that's that's the story I'll tell you. It's um, <laughs> it's loosely based on, on some experiences I had, but, uh, you know, well, like most first novels are, I suppose, <laughs> but it's... Uh, uh it's, it's not close enough that you can learn much about me.
1: <laughs> okay, so in other words, the names have been chained to, uh, to protect the uh, guilty.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: All right. Oh, yeah, we want to welcome you for coming on the uh, grassy knoll, all, Jeff. I've been looking forward to it. We had a couple of snags, uh, mostly on my end. You were ill. We had some personal emergencies. But here we are. We're ready to go, and I'm glad to have you. Um, why don't you give us a, a summary of what the website's about, whatever made you um, put it up, and uh, how is it going for as much time as it's been running?
0: Well, it's it's really just a, a place uh, for me to put down uh, things that are on my mind, really. That's uh, how it began, and and what it's become is something bigger than that in some respects. But the, um, I guess, what, sorry, pardon me?
1: Nope, not a thing. Oh, okay. That's just, that's just the CIA or the NSA tapping in, that's all.
0: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get CSIS up here, too. So. Oh, yeah, there you go yeah um then uh you know like after when uh when 9-11 happened a lot of people um a lot of people knew right away that that's that was an inside job and for me it was it was different it took um you know i was a bit too uh too uh, uh stunned as i was supposed to be by the events to really process it um it took a friend who happened to be uh the lawyer of delmert freeland and um uh, you know, uh, some oh, yeah. of your listeners may know mm-hmm. that name, uh, and I'd, I'd known this friend uh, since grade five, and uh, so he told me this fantastic story just a few weeks after, after the uh, the attacks, and uh, and that was my rabbit hole experience, and uh, you know I haven't really been the same since, because I, I heard it first from someone that I I trusted uh, implicitly, uh, you know all of my uh, all of my life practically uh... who was telling me that you know he had this client who had uh... who had inside knowledge and that he'd actually witnessed the signing of the uh, the, the warning of foreknowledge um, so that's uh, that sent me off uh... onto you know uh, on on this trajectory and and, uh, and eventually it it, it uh, produced this blog which is sort of a um, it was just a it was a place where i wanted to uh, to educate myself mostly um, to uh, to have a place to to sort of think out loud about these these issues, not only 9/11 but but other uh, issues of deep politics uh, that are beneath the surface but are really shaping the events of our times. And uh, so that's uh, that's where we've uh, we've come to. And it's really been uh, it's really been great to see it uh, evolve and to see it become a community. Um, and that uh, you know, there's there's really great uh, feedback from uh, from readers, and uh, uh, a lot of um, a lot of educating of, of ourselves going on there. And it's really it's also uh, it's also been uh, been good for me, I think, to have no really you know, I, I don't have a name, I don't have a reputation, uh, so I've been able to ask questions which uh, which others with a name and with reputation m- may be afraid to. Uh, you know, getting into things like, uh, like UFOs, say, or mind control and ritual abuse. These are topics which, uh, which people often shy away from, even if they think they're important, because, uh, because they're, they're big stumbling blocks for a lot of people who, um, who, who just, uh, refuse to accept that, that such things can happen in our world. Uh, so I've been able to, um, to have the freedom to explore these these issues, uh, because you know I don't I don't have to worry about a reputation, and um, <laughs> and that's been uh, that's been freeing for me. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> a Reputation is a terrible thing to lose. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to go back if I could to um, the Delmar Vreeland thing because that that was a very bizarre episode. But mm-hmm. it, but the, uh, the is the council you're talking
0: about, Rocco? Uh, no, I know Rocco, but it's uh, Paul Slansky.
1: Okay. I wonder if he'd like to come on. I, I always wanted to talk to somebody about that. And do we know where Delmar Breland is today?
0: Well, he's last I've heard, uh, he's uh, he's in custody. I think it's in uh, uh, I think it's in Iowa. He was arrested just before the uh, uh, the election in the states in uh, uh, late October, I think.
1: All right. I think the last time I checked in on it, wasn't he still? in... I guess he was in Canada, so they finally extradited him to the United States.
0: Well, no, it wasn't an extradition. He was out on, on bail, and then he'd um, he'd skipped uh, before his uh, his hearing, um, and it was uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't sure really if he was still alive. Uh, there was uh, the thought that he'd been abducted, um, but but anyway, the last uh, that I've heard, uh, and the only thing I'd heard uh, between uh, between that and, and now is uh, is that he was arrested in uh, I think it was in Iowa in late October on uh, I think it was child prostitution charges actually that he was uh, he was running a uh, I, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl and uh, there was some um, uh, identity fraud I think which uh, which uh, was involved in his arrest too and uh, that's it, it that's um, it's very interesting that 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 it took that twist because I'd heard from another friend who's uh, um, who has uh... who's had uh... some dealings with vreeland that he suspected that reeling uh... had been involved in the in the whole franklin cover-up stuff or uh... or something like it that that vreeland himself had been uh... had been run as a child prostitute and uh... and to to see it uh... uh to see him arrested on child prostitution charges was it was an odd Corroboration of that. Well,
1: I will tell you, if he went to Iowa to hide out, that's crazy because that's probably the only state where everybody knows everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, you know, you're a stranger; they know right away you're a stranger. Um, <laughs> well, you know, that that sounds awful, like a, like the parallel with Rusty Nelson. Of yeah,
0: yeah, it it actually is. And uh, it when I when I heard about uh, Nelson's arrest, I was reminded of Relance. But uh, and and curiously, you know, just. Um, as far as reeland was concerned uh, i thought it was odd that he was picked up just before the uh, the election and uh, at that time he, he was telling a a wild uh, a, a, a seemingly wild story about another you know that he'd, he he was uh, uh on the trail of of uh, some other um um a 911 like event that was that was going to unfold before the election which of course didn't happen um, and i think I think that Breland himself, you know, we can't uh, we can't take his word really for anything because uh, because he is uh, he is a con man and he's a liar and uh, and he exaggerates uh, but uh, you know we can say that but we can also we can also say that that's a, a perfect character to be used by uh, an intelligence operation as uh, you know at the level that Breland was um, but uh, people who don't who don't know what kind of world you know we're dealing with uh... will say well you know he's he's a criminal you know <laughs> but of course he's a criminal mm-hmm. but of course you know the agencies that we're talking about uh... would love to have someone like uh... like him work for them because there's well because he'll do he'll do dirty work for them and uh... there's a great plausible deniability because uh... there's uh... there's no way that you can take his word for for anything so i i believe that before nine eleven um and this is this is speculation about uh, about what he was up to that uh uh the foreknowledge that he had was was uh was disinformation uh, that he'd uh, he'd been fed uh, he'd been fed some lies to muddy the waters about uh, about the events that were going to unfold and uh, perhaps to uh to distract researchers right. or to uh to create uh create some um, uh a possible incident because the the disinformation that he had pointed to Iraqi and Russian foreknowledge, which was of course wildly inaccurate, and a, a distraction from the real uh, from the real criminals.
1: So they they give him false information and turn him loose, mm-hmm. and that in that way they hope that this will uh, lead a whole lot of people down a side street, not to know what about the truth about what took place that day. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Harry. Uh, back when Vreeland was making the uh, rounds of the uh, alternative uh, alternative uh, radio shows, like, uh, well, Rupert, well, Rupert actually doesn't have a show, but, I mean, he, he was mm-hmm. back in Vreeland, he was on Alex Jones, and I guess everybody just distanced themselves from him and wanted to forget that the whole thing ever took place. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I was going to say, Harry called up a Michigan... Um, website you know it, it's one of these uh, outstanding fugitives and all this other stuff mm-hmm. i mean he came up bang and uh, he had a decent rap sheet prior to that uh uh fiasco up in uh, canada
0: yeah yeah i sure did
1: um but you know there you go i mean you, you're like you're right you take a guy like this or you take a guy like oswald who you can immediately uh attribute being a, a whack job mm-hmm. and there you there you got your built-in a character self-defamation it comes ready to go yeah, you know, and I mean, of course, I mean, we always want to believe wackos uh, are at, uh, are the responsible for executing heads of state, but they would not leave such a job up to a wacko.
0: No, exactly.
1: And um, I had I had said to another guest once that when you look back at all the assassinations of presidents and the attempts, I mean, almost in every case is a lone gunman. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm also wondering whether or not you know since this whole bit about um, of the way things are done, this conspiracy, is centuries old, that they weren't always using the same formula. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, uh, as I had said to this other guest, I would love to find out exactly what was behind Garfield and McKinley's assassination (laughs) because I think that's a little too antiseptic to believe it's always, you know, some anarchist or something like that. Yeah. Even the Archduke Ferdinand, I I think, was a a, a distraction job. So there's a lot of things out there, I think, historically that are very, very interesting, but these lone gunmen are not acting alone. You cannot leave that up to someone
0: like that. No and you know um, uh, about Oswald I think uh, there's a uh, there's a uh, people get off track on the JFK assassination I think by looking too much on the the events on the on the day itself and uh, you know the trajectories of the of the fire and uh, you know if Oswald was uh, was actually in the building or you know on the sixth floor if he fired a rifle that day none of those questions you uh, can answer whether there was a conspiracy. The conspiracy is answered by what Oswald was doing uh before uh the 22nd of of November and uh, and in the cover up that followed. It's in his associations with uh, CIA figures and with uh with Ruby and um, you know that you know he was being run for months uh and well for years really mm-hmm. um, before that uh, before that day. And uh and so you know you you have to you have to look uh you have to look beyond the uh, the events of you know just those few seconds and that uh, it doesn't really matter you know if kennedy was struck from behind or or from the front uh you know whether uh whether he was struck from from behind whether even uh you know he was hit from the uh texas depository uh there there is still ample ample evidence um that, uh, that it, Kennedy was killed by an inside uh, job by, you know, the conspiracy. That uh, it's, uh, as I think um, researcher uh, John Judge uh, says, I think it's original with him, that, it, you know, it doesn't matter uh, who fired the gun. It's who paid for the bullets. That's that's mm-hmm. where you find the, the real criminals behind it all.
1: Yeah, and there was uh, no shortage of people who were upset with JFK. So, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, James Fetzer, who has been on the show, um recounts madeline brown uh, paramour of, of lbj mm-hmm. stating that lbj said no i didn't kill the president the uh, cia and the oil boys they did that so yeah i mean that's just one of the uh, the factions uh I, I also think that lincoln like kennedy beyond the obvious um and eerie similarities mm-hmm. i think you both are looking at an even an eerier situation with somebody who may have had a change of heart and the handlers did not care for it mm-hmm. and once you once you change the game plan um your time is about up, and I, I, even back with with Lincoln, um, I believe, you know that there were a lot of. I mean, his own party wanted him. The yeah. radical red Republicans wanted him dead. Uh, Maryland wanted him dead. Uh, the uh, beef for uh, cotton uh, boys wanted him dead. I mean, there was no shortage of people that were <laughs> after his carcass. Yeah. And actually, it was supposed to be a kidnapping, but what happened was mm. the war ran out.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> that's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. What this? If you ever get a chance. And I think Cybercats is responsible for this as well. Mm. And this is when I think I first encountered him. And if it is he, uh, thanks again. Uh, two books, uh, Dark Union and The Lincoln Conspiracy. And both these books chronicle very well, document very well, that there was a whole bunch of people interested in getting uh, Lincoln out of the way. And that Booth at the very end, realizing he was kicked out of the kidnapping plot mm. by the handlers, yeah. just said, hey, the war's done, it's, it's, it's finished, and he goes in and he shoots him. Mm. But like anyway. So anyway, if you get a chance, uh, a dark dark union and The Lincoln conspiracy. It's really interesting stuff. Those books are about 30 years apart, um, but they resonate, and uh, it is a stranger tale than people can believe uh, with the Lincoln uh, assassination.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's funny. Most people don't know their own history, let alone mm-hmm. you know their their hidden history, and uh, it's um, you know the, the history is replete with uh, with patsies. Who uh, you know, and it's not uh, to say that someone is, is a patsy is not the same as saying that they're innocent. It's it's that they um, uh, you know they're involved, but their involvement is is at a much uh, much different level than uh, than what uh, the history books record them as being.
1: Um, there's an author out of uh, uh, Calgary, Alberta, uh, Charles T. Wilcox. He's written the book Democracy in a Siege, who mm-hmm. gets involved with the Vatican and the Jesuitical prov- uh, provocaturing during the mid-60s, mm-hmm. and how uh, they were uh, bearing down on Lincoln as well. But, you know, what's interesting as far as saying um, uh, that, a, a bit about uh, knowing your own history. Uh, what Charles has brought to the table for us uh, is also how much of Canada was involved during the Civil War because these sides that weren't supposed to be talking, north and south, were actually up in uh, uh, Quebec. Mm-hmm. And uh, at a hotel in Montreal, I mean, basically, that city was crawling with both north and south... Um, I wouldn't say conspirators, but um, behind-the-scenes dealing. And that you good old Canadians are the ones that allowed um, some Southerners to come in and uh, pull off, what, uh, simultaneous bank robberies in St. Albans, Vermont. And I always thought that was a great trivia question. You know, what was the, <laughs> yeah. what was the furthest north conflagration? Was it Gettysburg? No, no, no. It was Saint Albans, Vermont. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I guess I shouldn't uh, speak too uh, speak too much about not knowing uh, our own history. I don't. I didn't know any of that myself.
1: Oh. All right. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> no, <it's> okay. <laughs> but anyway, those books are the ones where you can find that. And uh, also uh, another thing that Charles brought to me, and he also is good about sending down documentaries of the Canadian version. I guess of, what would you call it, uh, Arts and Entertainment or Discovery Channel, I think, Mm -hmm. you know. And also some of the uh, really great shows that come out of uh, The Passionate Eye.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, there's some good stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely, excellent. So I'm glad he's done that. And uh, he also gave us a very different spin about the War of 1812. And from the Canadian version, it was interesting. It's like, no, you guys wanted to come up and take Ontario. You know, don't give Mm -hmm. me the stuff about, you know... um, you know, we, we went down in, you know, Berkwood, D.C., and that's the whole thing. No, you guys came up to take some land away to get the Great Lakes, mm-hmm. and it's a real different spin than, you know, you get in American texts, you know, documentaries. Yeah,
0: that it interested me uh, when I realized that, that, uh, you know, that uh, we have different histories about uh, mm-hmm. about things which I'd, I'd assume that, you know, that we had uh, in common uh, like that. And it's interesting, too, uh, you know, that there is, uh, as a Canadian, um, I certainly am not a you know I'm not a disinterested party looking at the United States right now, and that um, we have to you know we have to consider not only oil but uh, as I'm sure you know the 21st century is going to be a lot about water, and uh, and we have um, you know the world's largest freshwater supply, mm-hmm. and we're very um, we, we guard it very jealously we don't uh, we don't trade it uh, in bulk. Um, but I think, you know, in 20 years or so, that's, that's going to change one way or the other. So I'm, I'm very interested to watch sort of uh, the, um, the creeping continentalism. Well, it's not really creeping so much anymore, no. but um, uh, it's, it's something as a, you know, as a Canadian, I'm feeling a bit like an Austrian in 1938. Uh, yeah. And
1: j- yeah. Just remember something, though. If you Canadians slant drill for water on our side, we're going to come in after you. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we we got it coming to us, man.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard this or not. I've been begging Harry to uh, to can this so I can play it. But there's a song uh, by some Canadians. Um, it's It's a lampoon. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how we came down on Bird D.C. and we ran away. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a riot. <laughs> Holy mackerel. All right. Um, I want to get to some questions, if I can. and It's going to pertain to the JFK situation also, which we've been talking about to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were questions that are forwarded by uh, uh, those who knew you were coming on. And that must be prescient, because I haven't posted it. Yeah, I did post it. Yeah, that's right. Actually, this is going to be heard tomorrow, so that'll confuse everybody. <laughs> all right. Um, one of the questions are, right, here's a zinger who... In parentheses, probably more than one player. Close parentheses was responsible for the murder of JFK. And why was it necessary to take him out? We have covered some ground there, but why don't you give us the line that uh, that you cleave to?
0: Hmm. Well, it's. Uh, I think it was a you know a military uh, military intelligence operation, and uh, there's there's names like um, uh, like Lansdale. Ed, I think Ed Lansdale mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is certainly uh, certainly prominent and. Uh, Let's see who's the other guy I'm thinking of um, uh, just a moment while it comes to me sure. the um, well he, he used the name uh, Maurice Bishop uh, uh, is in his uh, dealings with uh, with our, oh yeah David Adley Phillips yeah he was um, uh, CIA uh, director for uh, the Western Hemisphere and uh, he was working out of the um, uh, the Mexican uh, embassy I believe at the time and he was um, uh... he was working with uh... with a number of cubans uh... cuban exiles and uh, uh... he was he had his hand in the in the whole bay of pigs thing and um, and one of the cuban uh, exiles uh... happened to see uh... phillips with uh... with oswald uh... in i think it was august of sixty uh, three and um uh... he was this Cuban was very coy uh, with uh, with later uh, researchers about uh, about whether he could identify uh, Phillips because well actually he was shot at when it was discovered that he was talking to uh, the House uh, Select Committee on assassinations um, so he was playing uh, cards very close to his chest, but there was no he left no doubt that that these two were related he'd uh, uh, or the, the same, and in fact, uh, on uh, Phillips's uh, deathbed, he admitted uh, to his brother that he was uh, uh, that he was involved, and um, you know, and that's that raises another thing that you know people say one of the one of the uh, one of the favorite things of uh, debunkers of uh, Kennedy assassinations and and or the Kennedy assassination and other conspiracies will say, well, you know, uh, someone would have talked, someone would have said something, but in fact. Uh, many people have talked um, you know uh, Santos uh, Traficante and and other mafia figures they they had uh, operational role and, in in this and they've uh, they admitted to functionaries and others uh, not even just at their deathbed uh, that uh, that they were involved and uh, and then there uh, then there was of course uh, you know a layer of uh, of Cubans who were involved too and there was I think I, I I a clustering of of reasons why Kennedy was taken out and part of it certainly the cubans were motivated because of uh because of the viet pigs and uh the military um, military intelligence uh they were uh they were really wanting to uh, this was the this was the really the apotheosis of the national security state it was the the coming into mm-hmm. uh into uh into flowering of of uh, of the America that we know now which isn't really the the republic that it was um, and uh Kennedy was was endangering them uh he was uh his speech at the American Institute um, or the American uh, University rather uh i think it was the uh the summer of uh 63 uh he was he was talking about détente with the soviets um, 10 years before uh it became um, uh, fashionable <laughs> be, 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 yeah before it became fashionable and uh, you know and it's and just uh, the last few days there's been another um, uh, m- more disclosure about about Kennedy's plan to uh, uh, pull out of uh, Vietnam and uh, and this this was all this was all contrary to to what uh, to what uh, the establishment the, the military in- intelligence establishment uh, were seeking so I uh, I think that in their views in, in their view uh Kennedy himself had had perpetrated a coup of sorts and what they were trying to do was to reassert what they what they viewed as their you know their natural uh supremacy mm-hmm. um, Kennedy's um, uh Kennedy declining to um, to follow up on Cuba after the Bay of Pigs and and not signing on to operation northwoods and and similar things uh I think um, I think spoke to uh, spoke to them that you know this this is a guy that uh that is a threat to us and uh and after all of the you know these these guys had had uh you know they've been practiced in removing troublesome governments all around the globe uh it wasn't that big a leap for them in some respects to do it at home and uh especially because they felt that it was their government to begin with um, and um, and this is also another blind spot I think for people that you know uh, who who can accept that the CIA and uh, and the other uh, the other players in the national security state uh, they just des- uh, they um, they destabilize governments around the world mm-hmm. they, they they spend millions of dollars billions of dollars doing this and they've done it for decades but the thought that they might do it at home, is uh you know they don't want, a lot of people just don't want to go there mm-hmm. um, but it's you know it's it's a logical conclusion that if if they're going to spend so much attention you know taking down uh the government of Chile or destabilizing the Italian government how much more attention will they pay to uh to the most important government in the world uh their own mm-hmm. And when it's uh, when that government strays from what they perceive as as uh, as the line that that must be hoed, then you know they're not going to they're not going to uh, hesitate too much in, in straightening that out. Uh,
1: mentioning that he wanted to um, affect some kind of détente in uh, the mid '60s with Russia is a bad idea, of course, because they weren't ready. Um for another 20 years to do that, since they, when you got a when you got a boogie guy, uh, you got uh, the reason to have your military-industrial complex up and humming, people making money in armaments and, and such. And uh, when you talked about the destabilization of Italy, are you
0: referring to when Moro was assassinated? Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't in particular, but uh, but that's uh, that certainly would uh, would uh, would be a part of it. That was, uh, I think, that was maybe in the uh, in the early 70s. But in the, in the 50s, the CIA um, undermined uh, Italian democracy as well by, uh, um, by a lot of dirty tricks uh, during uh, at least uh, at least several elections there uh, when it looked like the communists were going to win a democratic government. And, you
1: know, it's such a rigged deal when you look back at post-World War II uh, global events and the United States' role in it because we've never been without boogeymen and people to hate. And you just switch it. You know, as, as soon as World War II was over... Then it was, it was Korea and Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. boogeyman communists down there. Then that turned over to, uh, well, Russia's always been a player in that whole situation. Mm-hmm. And it goes through time until now. Russia's not the bad guy anymore. we got to have a new bad guy. So we have the personification of the bad countries in, what, uh, Saddam Hussein and bin Laden. Um, always a new bad guy to hold before the public to, uh, you know, for people to draw their hate down on and of course justify incursions in the countries and you're right about destabilizing governments i remember watching a film in college back in the early 70s and they asked the cia opera you know nsa whatever it was um you know what's your job and the guy like matter of factly with a shrug said um destabilize nations and uh topple rulers (laughs) (laughs) was there a problem here oh and of course we saw that with allende down in chile as well
0: yeah and you know when you look at the record uh it's uh, it's not a very good one. I mean, they've they've really. Uh, you have to wonder what they're what they're doing this for, because uh, you know, consider um, not only the troubles that they've caused for the people who live in those countries, but they've caused greater problems for themselves. And and yet, this is this is what they keep doing.
1: If we can switch gears and take a look at Deep Throat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, what's your take on Deep Throat being felt and felt alone?
0: Well. I, um, my thought is that, that, uh, Deep Throat is, is a composite character and that hasn't changed, uh, much, um, with Felt coming forward. I think, uh, what, uh, Deep Throat was, was passing, uh, to, uh, to Woodward was, uh, was more than what, um, uh, someone in the FBI would be able to tell him. And, uh, it's um, you know it's it's convenient uh, for uh, for someone to take uh, to take credit or to take the blame at this point for uh, for deep throat and uh, and felt seems to be happy to do that and you know his family may profit by it and uh, and he's he's uh, old and um, ill and he's not going to uh, he's not going to pay for uh, uh, for his misdemeanors and and um, uh, and he'll be regarded as a hero to many. So I think it's um, uh, I think it's likely that that there's more than just uh, felt involved. But I think that uh, I think that felt uh, was certainly one of them. Uh,
1: I think it is true um, by Nixon's own words that he was something of a uh, was pr- probably anti-Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, he certainly had uh, I guess cast a number of uh, multicultural expletive deletives towards Kissinger. Yeah. And Kissinger and Felt both being Jewish in a sense, you know, what better way would it be to use somebody like that who Nixon would hate above all others to bring him down? Uh, but in Coleman's conspiracy, um, conspiracy hierarchy, the story of the committee of 300, mm-hmm. I think he lays out a really plausible um, scenario. And I think one that that Liddy kind of, you know, backhandedly, but separate from Coleman uh, confirms, and that is Deep Throat. And some people laugh because, I mean, you think about Kissinger's voice. Mm-hmm. all right good you know yeah. so we got kissinger and haig who coleman claims destabilized nixon in other words posing as supporters
0: mm-hmm. they were
1: actually making this break-in a bigger deal than it was when he really could have gotten himself distance from that penny ante, penny anti break-in
0: yeah
1: you know and so what you do is no I, you can't have you can't have haig and or kissinger going to woodward in garages and stuff i mean that's just too obvious so what do you do you find a bag man an errand boy to go do it so I believe that you know Felt might have been, um, shall we say, the the conveyor of the information, mm-hmm. the pipeline, but he was not the source of it. Yeah. I mean, would you con- uh, concur with some of that anyway? Or? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: No, I think that's a that's a very plausible um, that's a very plausible scenario. Uh, it's uh, that um, the, my main point is that uh, that Deep Throat had uh, had information that was more inside than Felt could uh, right. could provide. So wherever that came from, it, it came from somewhere else.
1: Yeah, and don't tell me, you know, I've heard this on, you know, IMAS in the morning, and all this, you know, the, the real news about, you know, how a second-in-command and the FBI could have great access to, no, 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 sorry, folks, they don't, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, especially if you're not the main guy. Anyway, um, all right, a question from a, a listener. It says, uh, given today's, and this is marked Thursday, June 2nd, given today's post, uh, could you explain what the CIA's objective was in the Watergate scandal slash break-in? Hmm. And this, it's multi-questions uh, here, so do you want to address that?
0: Yeah, well, the, um, the post uh, in question was, uh, uh, yeah, that was my one post on Watergate. And um, I was, uh, my, my point uh, with that post was that there were competing um, objectives going on and that, uh, you know, within the White House there was, um, there was a team of Nixon people and there was also a, a CIA team, and they uh, sometimes um, uh, they sometimes were in agreement, and sometimes were not. And the those um, uh, w- where where things got in- into trouble uh, for the for the Nixon team was when the uh, uh, there was a CIA um, there was a CIA prostitution ring being run uh, very close to uh, the Watergate, and. Um, the Nixon uh the Nixon team were getting too close to this. They it seemed like they were gonna blow uh, uh the cover of the um,
1: operation. Yeah. Of the
0: operation, yeah. So uh, Hunt uh Hunt and Sturgis and uh, and uh, McCord, they they had another agenda going into this. And um, and uh, especially McCord, who who seemed to have uh, have played a, a role uh Years bef- well, just a few years before uh, setting up uh, setting up the ring, um, that uh, they wanted to they wanted to make sure that that was protected, and so that uh, so to do that they had to uh, they had to blow the uh, the burglary because um, the um, well part of the part of the phone tap uh, was going to uh, the. Um, the uh the uh Democratic National uh uh offices there uh but but the tap wasn't originally on the uh the Democrats uh, phones the, the tap was coming from the the prostitution ring but there was a lot of a lot of activity between the two uh, in fact so much so that uh, that the F, former FBI guy who was listening to the the wiretaps uh he was thinking that the tap was actually you know in the Watergate but it wasn't it was in uh, a hotel just uh, uh, nearby um, and that um, uh, the uh, there was not there was not a tap found in the Watergate until until months after the um, the break-in, and um, and it was found to be inoperative, and it was found to be well, there were just so many reasons why it just wasn't uh, wasn't really where the, the source was coming from. The source was on the other end. So um, there was um, you know as with as with many. Scandals. There's a uh, there's a sexual component, and a uh, you know a, uh, a matter of uh, prostitution and intelligence gathering, which is you know one of the CIA's favorite uh, favorite things. And so it raised its head too in the Watergate uh, scandal.
1: Uh, and I think you you answered uh, another part of this uh, multi-question question, and that was why, uh, was the primary operation a sex blackmail one, and how do they orchestrate and snaring Nixon in the whole mess? But you're saying that Nixon's people were getting close to the fact that there was a sex uh, situation going on.
0: Yeah, and the CIA wanted to protect its uh, investment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And because they, you know, they wanted, uh, you know, the point of this, the point of the prostitution ring was to was to was to create files on on uh, prominent uh, figures in Washington, and uh, this this ring had a lot of elite clients, so they didn't want that blown because it had. Uh, you know, it, uh, it provided a lot of juicy stuff for them. And uh, the Nixon people were getting uh, getting close to blowing that, so they needed to, uh, needed to save the operation.
1: Uh, and it said also, what role did Kissinger play? And I don't think he means to be punny, but he said, what role did Kissinger play in this affair?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I know, You know, to me, Kissinger definitely, I think, has been the beneficiary of uh, um, some uh, sexual uh, endeavors. So uh, why not uh, in this one want to protect, uh, you know, himself if he's involved in this as well? And I'm, I would have suggest he was. And what do you think?
0: Yeah, well, I haven't I haven't thought uh, too much about Kissinger's role in in the Watergate um, uh, episode. Uh, but Kissinger is a very interesting character because I mean he rose so quickly and mm-hmm. uh, and he's still uh, such an important uh, figure uh, that um, I think I think throughout his career he's he's. He's been uh, his loyalty has been to to himself and uh, and certainly that was uh, that was at play in Watergate and he was smart enough to know you know when to cut his losses and uh, and to when to uh, when to turn on uh, Nixon but to make sure that you know he uh, uh, he was covering himself too so that he wouldn't be exposed.
1: What's interesting also is that Kissinger and Haig have a, a long history of being close to presidents especially uh, Nixon and Reagan and of course when Reagan was shot, what, three months into his presidency, mm-hmm. uh, it was Haig, uh, overtly, that came out with uh, Daddy Bush and said, no, nah, no, nah, no conspiracy, let's get back down to business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, that that's a very interesting situation. I think uh, Reagan was kind of charmed, uh, was a lucky guy, and obviously did not um, did not die from his wounds. And But he realized from that point on that, guess what, you're not president, Ron. You just go out there and look smart, you know?
0: Yeah, and yeah, they exactly.
1: Attribute, I'm sorry, Jeff, go ahead.
0: No, no, I'm sorry. I was just agreeing with you that... Um, that uh, really uh you know poppy Bush had um, had about uh, well almost uh three terms in his yeah. own right sure. and uh well now maybe <laughs> maybe maybe five under uh under his son, and who knows how many more under jeb but uh, uh yeah reagan after after the assassination attempt was really just uh, uh a figurehead the um the whole iran contra stuff that was that was uh that was run out of the vice president's office mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it, and um, I just want to tell you something, too, that um, a friend of mine who's a pilot on two occasions, and I've told the story before, and I'm not seeing it all, I do remember I, I told it before, uh, and that is um, two people who flew with him, both related to him, that they um, uh, bridged the gap between their military service and their commercial airline service with run and dope and other accoutrements between the United States and Central America, mm-hmm. and uh, one one humorous thing was that uh, one guy went down in the drink, and um, the Coast Guard wouldn't come out and get him that night. And, he, and in the morning, they went out to do what they normally do. And son of a gun, this guy's sitting on the tail of his plane, so they got to take him in. And they do, but of course, nothing's going to happen to him because he was on orders. Right, so, yeah. uh, you know, things do go bump in the night. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Wells. The website is Rigorous Institution.
0: Or Intuition. What do I say? I keep saying. Intuition. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. You tell him. Okay. It's rigorousintuition.blogspot.com. You know, it's one of these things
1: that I do this all the time, and I tell myself before we come on, it's it's intuition, it's intuition. <laughs> but it always comes out in to something like that. Anyway, uh, do you have any uh, regular contributors uh, to the uh, threads out there? Uh,
0: well, I've got, I have lots of um, of uh, of uh, people who who are regular uh, commenters, yes, on uh, on the blog, uh, who uh, who. You know, daily or whenever I've uh, I've posted something, uh, uh, add, uh, add quite a lot of good uh, good detail to uh, uh, to what I've said, and uh, and you know, and what is exciting about it is that they you know they take it to another level or to uh, to some place that I haven't considered before. So it's um, that's what I've said that I really like about what's what's happened with this is that it's not just it's not just me talking out loud, but I'm talking. With other people on the on the blog, and, and we're all learning together about, about these things that we're not supposed to know about.
1: Another question is, um, how do you manage to turn up such diverse information on the subjects?
0: Hmm. Um. I guess. Uh, I guess I. Uh, I don't know. I guess I think I'm just a, a good. Uh, if I have a if I have a talent, I guess it's for uh, uh, research and for uh, synthesizing um, information and uh, and maybe recombining it in in ways that haven't been considered before and uh, and i i'm lucky that i have a a good um, a good library here uh in my home with uh with a lot of books that uh, that are at hand that uh uh that have um, you know the secret histories that um, mm-hmm. that we're not supposed to uh, to know and um, and it's just um, it's, I guess it's just a matter of uh, also obsessive compulsiveness that uh, that gets me to uh, to dig this stuff out.
1: Um, do you have anybody that feeds you info? Uh,
0: not really. No, no. It's okay. uh, I mean I, I received some. Well, I receive tips uh, and uh, and people send me uh, uh, send me uh, stories that I, I may have missed but but i i don't have um i don't have like uh, insiders or anything like that who are uh, who are telling me that you know i have to look at this
1: okay um let's see we have another question as you uncover the dark side of u.s history what factions do you think are at work uh, hmm. that's one of two questions go ahead
0: well i think uh right now i think that there's um there are uh, several competing factions i think that there's a you know people talk about the the neoconservatives and that's a very important uh consideration but i don't think it begins and ends there i think that in some respects the, the neocons are uh, are being are being played themselves as patsies uh right now uh by uh, a group of uh, of globalists i guess you could say mm-hmm. who are uh, are really seeking to crash the system and to and to bankrupt the united states um, the neoconservatives don't uh, realize that that's uh, where their policies are leading. Uh, they don't. Uh, they don't uh, believe that uh, they're they're causing the ruin of, of their country. They believe that they're you know uh, they're they're doing what is necessary to see that the United States thrives in the 21st century. But uh, that isn't where uh, their policies are 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 taking America, and that uh, there's a deeper level of, of globalists and with names that i think a lot of people would would recognize like um, like rockefeller hmm. and uh... and uh, uh... i would say Maurice strong as well he's a canadian that i think is is unknown uh... To many people but i think he's uh... he's in the thick of this mm-hmm. um, who um... and and again i you know i think that these people who are doing who are involved in these shady things often they believe that they're actually doing good uh... they think that they're they're doing what is necessary they're making the, the difficult choices uh, not because they they want uh... uh you know an uh, an evil uh... uh... future for the world they they believe that the what they're doing will preserve um, um, preserve humanity in some respect but um, uh but these globalists i think that you know they they see the crises that are coming and that that we're entering into with uh... you know environmental degradation and and uh... uh... peak oil and with uh, with so many other things that are going to make um, human civilization global civilization as we know it uh, by the end of the century virtually impossible um, they recognize this and they they realize that in order to Save the world. It's like you know, to save the you know the village, we had to destroy it. I think they believe you know to save the world, we have to destroy it in a way that yeah. they have to they have to they have to break the system down in order to uh, 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 to remake it. And um, and I think that's what that's what we're seeing with the bankrupting uh, the the bankrupting of America. Uh, in in you know not just financially but certainly financially as well. Um, that um that to uh to have a to have a, a future as a to to have a future in a in a world that is going to make uh make it very difficult for uh for human civilization to thrive these people believe that well we need we need a totally new order of things mm-hmm. and so uh, so they're breaking down the old order and they're in its place going to going to have well it's you know the new world order that's it, Called that for a reason. Uh, so, uh, I believe that that's the that's the deeper agenda, and it's an agenda which isn't shared by uh, the neoconservatives who are who are you know uh, trying to erect uh, an American empire. Um, uh, but their empire is destined to fail. Uh, but um, uh, it, their failure will be success for this. Uh, uh, this group of, of globalists who want to impose uh, impose their order upon it.
1: Uh, you believe then uh, that the end game is uh, world government? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I I think so. The um, in in one in one way or another, uh, that's uh, that's where this is headed. I think uh, if there's going to be um, uh, if if there's going to be you know a human civilization. Uh, uh, left uh, standing that's uh, uh that's what um that's what those who intend to to rule it are intending
1: you know and what i did um to confirm the fact that this wasn't it was the uh, game plan and it's there for everybody to see i mean all you have to do is read some of the works by hg wells i mean one is mm-hmm. right in your face new world order mm-hmm. another one is the open conspiracy and then you have Huxley and Brave New World, which, which uh, somebody was telling me in a in a kind of an email list there. Uh, I like, go, oh no, that was just a it was just a you know a, an allegory a metaphor. I'm like, no, it isn't, dude. You see what they've got in store for us now? I mean, go back and take a look at what he had written. It was nothing. I mean, it was the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, George Bernard Shaw and the rest of those Fabian socialists out of England, uh, and Cecil Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And I think that Rhodes was probably the one who started the plan in the, in the late uh, stages. I shouldn't say start, carried it on, because I think this goes back to, you know, Rothschilds and Weishaupt and stuff back in the 18th century. Um,
0: yeah. Well, you know, these people think, you know, generations that's right.
1: ahead. Yep. Rhodes said just before he died, around 1902, I guess it was, that he said, uh, it's going to take uh, 200 years. So, there you go. I mean, um, mm-hmm. we're, we're half the way there, so he thought I, we might be a little closer than he uh, expected. But these people uh, wrote what they wanted to do, and basically it's being done, and you're right. Uh, they were so dedicated to the cause that they knew they would not see the fruition in their lifetime, and it didn't matter. They were that driven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, you're not arguing with me on that one. No, 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 not at all. Um, I would just throw this out to you real quick, and we have another question for you. Uh Not that you're asking me, but I see a spiritual component in this, so I look at the Illuminati as the overarching term for the globalists and this whole network. Mm -hmm. But I think the powers in the world, uh, the centers of power, the city of London and the Vatican, because they also have a role in it, and that's not a knock against Roman Catholics. It's a knock against the Vatican, which is a nation-state unto itself with a a, a tremendous history of um, provocateuring.
0: Uh, Your Mm -hmm. feel on that? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think there is a real spiritual component to this that is lost on a lot of people who look at this material because they, um, they will be maybe because they don't have a, a spiritual component themselves, or because they uh, uh, they don't uh, they don't believe in a spiritual evil, I suppose. But I think that um, you know there is uh, there is behind uh, behind this. I think, and when you get into looking at the secret societies uh, there's a luciferian component to it which I think is a motivation um, uh, an esoteric motivation mm-hmm. for a lot of a lot of these elites um, that uh, you know the, the the secret societies have an exoteric um, knowledge and an esoteric uh, the exoteric would be what what they what they tell the public and what they tell the lower initiates but the esoteric would be what they tell the higher initiates and uh and what they tell the the higher initiates is the inverse often of what they mm-hmm. they tell the public and uh so what they you know what they tell um, what we know uh you know the public face of of uh, of the masonic order say or the oto it's you know it's not that bad um, but it it gets it gets totally inverted when you get in and uh, opus Dei, i think as well right. um, you know uh so that uh, you know God becomes uh, Lucifer and Lucifer mm-hmm. becomes god and um and uh you know when you're in the thick of it there's there's not much you can do but go uh, uh, but go you know further into it uh when you're when you're uh when you're caught up uh, into the into the higher orders and uh so the um uh the uh, yeah the spiritual uh, the spiritual dimension of this is is very real I think I, I shy away from using terms like Illuminati mm-hmm. but I think the reality that it speaks to is is genuine um, I I just don't want to use the word myself because mm-hmm. I you know I don't know that that's what they call themselves um, but it's uh, it certainly uh, it reflects something that I think is is uh, is really going on
1: well the meaning of the term is exactly. Um... Who is orchestrating this? And of course, the mm-hmm. enlightened ones and that, that that angel of light, that light motif, always goes back to Lucifer. Yeah. And I do see this as a Luciferian conspiracy that is foretold in the Judeo-Christian scriptures, uh, and um, and I think that's what we're up against. But if people could at least understand one thing, you'd be able to crack a whole lot more of these hardheads. And that is, the mainstream news is absolutely lying to you, and in the same time, they're propagandizing you and raising fear in you. They are the extension of these characters and of course they're not going to shed light on themselves so the very conspirators are the ones who are saying there's no conspiracy and unfortunately you know that that self-made invisibility is is working
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah um let's see where else we got to go all right one other thing and we don't have a lot of time but this ritual abuse has come up on this show quite a bit jeff and yeah. that's and that is uh, in the form of a uh, dr ellen Lactor, eleanor white out of canada uh, Kathleen Sullivan, who wrote a book, uh, mm-hmm. Unshackled, uh, mm-hmm. su- uh, The Survivor. I can't get the subtitle.
0: Uh, are you familiar with that work at all? Yes, I have it, uh, and I've I've interviewed Kathleen as well.
1: Oh, great. Okay, yeah, um, Survivor of Mind Control. Mm-hmm. I believe that's it. So anyway, uh, you've done some stuff on this, too, and this ties into what I'm thinking about with regard to this occult behavior, because this whole idea of uh, child porn, uh, homosexuality, uh, ritual abuse unto death, sacrificial uh, rights, this is very real, and people don't want to believe it's out there because it's hideous, but it's been with us since the beginning of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and I, uh, I, in fact, that reminds me, uh, a few months ago I posted um, an, uh, a study of uh, Gilles de Duray, I think uh, is his name, uh, who was, um, I think, a, a 15th-century uh, French uh, royal who was, you know, he sacrificed uh, 200 children uh, in... Um, in this uh, these, uh, sex magic uh, mm-hmm. rites to invoke uh, the devil mm-hmm. and uh it's um, you know it's all of, it's all of a piece i think and uh, it's uh, you know i think a lot of people can see the you know the superficial nature of the crimes they can see the the pedophilia they can see the uh the abuse and uh, the torture maybe but but when you introduce the the ritual aspect mm-hmm. that's when uh, you lose a lot of people because they can't uh, they can't process that. It doesn't make sense to them in this world that um, uh, that there is a you know a, uh, a satanic or luciferian conspiracy, or that uh, that people are actually you know um, sacrificing children mm-hmm. uh, for the purposes of devil worship. And um, you know you see that in uh, in, the, in this case out of Louisiana uh, that broke a few weeks ago.
1: Louisiana Hosanna Church was it? Yeah. Yeah, and
0: um, you know uh, who would have uh, who would have believed that um, that this uh, uh, this in this small town there was there was uh, this heinous activity going on, and that it wasn't it wasn't just uh, pedophilia, but it was it was and, it were, and bestiality, mm-hmm. but it was uh, it was ritualized uh, pedophilia and bestiality. Mm-hmm that it was it was for a purpose and the purpose was uh was uh, demonic um, and i think that uh you know this is a reflection or it's just you know it's tearing uh it, it's it's pulling back a little corner of what is what's actually mm-hmm. out there and what's 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 uh what's all around there the um, you know the great thing about the internet is that what uh used to be just local stories. They can now be global stories if we pay attention. And uh there are patterns all around the world that show the same thing. In uh Australia, in the States, in in Scotland, in Mm -hmm. Portugal. You know, this is happening uh this is happening everywhere. There's uh you know, these elite pedophilial rings uh that are being protected. Uh you know, that they're they're being uh run and they're being uh used uh, by these uh, by these elites and uh, and that there is uh, there is this demonic component to it and um, you know you can uh, you can deny it but it's not going to make it go away
1: no, and it's it's amazing that people will embrace horror movies uh, and they might even give some credibility to it uh, they might even like the movie eyes wide shut
0: mm-hmm. but then
1: you tell them that it's worse than that that eyes i mean eyes wide shut i mean they're telling you the whole deal
0: yeah, and, right. And, yeah, I know.
1: Right. And and the thing is, it's like, well, no, that can't be, that's just fiction. It's like, well, that's one of the ways you can take the heat out of people looking for the truth, because what really is out there is the fiction that we see uh, in the X-Files mixed in with some ludicrous stuff. You know, uh, on the mm-hmm. sci-fi channel, like Dr. Rebecca Carley said, you know, if you want to know where we're going, just watch the sci-fi channel in, in Hollywood.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then, of course, people say, well, that's X-Files stuff. It's like, you know, that's how you've been psychologically uh, compromised that they've got you knee-jerking, oh, conspiracy theory, you know, to everything that doesn't come out in the mainstream news. Mm-hmm. If you guys can get beyond that veil, you'll understand we're in some deep sneakers, aren't we?
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, it's uh, it's not that I want to believe this. I would rather not believe this. And and really, in a in a, in a way, believing has nothing to do with it. It's, it's just what the evidence has right. persuaded me. You know, I didn't go into this... Um, uh, with these assumptions, I didn't expect that I would find these uh, these bizarre crimes and these uh, these Luciferian uh, networks that were um, uh, that were hidden uh, and that are still hidden from most people. And I, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to see it, but yet I see it. So uh, right. so what can I do about it? I, what I do about it is, is write about it I, I guess that's what I do about it
1: No and, and I say the same thing to people I don't want to come to this conclusion I'm not a malcontent I mean but after you know I'm 54 years old I've seen and heard a lot coming out of World War II with parents and you know parents of mm-hmm. my friends uh, stuff you didn't you know get in the history books um, you know Korea, Vietnam uh, I mean here I'm watching uh, the, the supposed murderer of Kennedy get shot right in front of me in live TV. Yeah, we've got one assassination there and another here, then Bobby Kennedy, and it's like, what is going on? This is not normal
0: stuff, folks. No. Well, right then, right then, Americans should have known enough that, uh, you know, that, uh, that they, should have, they should have risen and said, uh, you know, we know that uh, the, what you're telling us is a tissue of lies. We've been speaking with Jeff Wells,
1: and I'm going to do this right, Jeff. The website is rigorousintuition.blogspot.com. I've done good, didn't I? That was good. All right, we've been speaking with the cautiously pessimistic Canadian author and satirist. His novel, Anxious Gravity, is out there. Thanks so much for being with us. I hope you will mind coming on again, Jeff.
0: I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on.